Hey everyone, Dr. Pat and I would personally like to invite you to join us in our Grow My Baby program. This is week-by-week pregnancy and birth information developed from our experience of helping more than 4,000 women grow and birth their babies. All our links are on our website, growmybaby.com.au. If you're trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant and you feel a little bit overwhelmed by all you need to know, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to the show. I'm Bridget Maloney. And I'm obstetrician Dr. Patrick Maloney. And this is The Kick, your expert-led podcast that delivers the essentials of growing a baby. Make sure you head to our website, growmybaby.com.au, to get some awesome free tools like our Pregnancy Knowledge Checker to help you feel like you got this. Welcome, everyone. Well, this is episode 20. 20! (laughs) Uh, And we've titled this one, Getting Pregnant When You Have Endo. Now, we talk about endo a lot in our household, even though we do have four boys. It seems quite strange that we talk about it a lot, but we talk about it a lot, basically, Patty, because it really impacts your work. You have a lot of people with endo at work. Yeah. So within the gynecology part of my practice, a lot of it is young women with pelvic pain, and a lot of those have endometriosis. And uh, we've been thinking about a lot about, you know, how does this fit in with a pregnancy program? And, and I think it is really relevant because if you've got endo, one of the things that you worry about is your future fertility. And today we're going to be talking about you know, when you've had your endo treated and so forth, and now you come up to wanting a baby, how are things different? Yeah. And you've got a, a bit of a special interest in endometriosis, don't you? Absolutely. So right now I'm on a... Um, a terrific uh, committee with the, at the College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists working on an endometriosis a public awareness program and a screening tool and a GP education program. Yeah. So uh, the college have got some money, some some uh, federal government funding to develop those things, and uh, I'm just I'm working with some really terrific people ac- across uh, different disciplines as well. So not just obstetrician gynecologists, but also uh, anaesthetists and uh, and GPs. Yeah. Sort of pooling our energies to, to come up with a really great product. And those specialists are th- throughout Australia, aren't they? Yeah. 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 So really, it'll be interesting for everybody to hear, I'm sure, uh, why are you doing that? What's the main sort of a, a objective of that steering group? Look, I think what we're trying to do is is narrow the time frame between people developing symptoms of endometriosis and getting diagnosed and properly treated. Yeah, because the diagnosis time is pretty horrific, isn't it? Yeah, there's a figure sort of bandied around of seven years between someone, on average, between a a young woman developing symptoms that are fairly convincing for endo and her actually getting a proper diagnosis and treatment. Mm. It's miles too long. Miles too long. And when you say young women, we're talking teenagers too. Yeah, so that's one of the things that that we're working on for educational programs. You you can't really be too young. Yeah. Um, So if 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 you're 16, 17, there's no reason why you can't have endo. Yeah. Uh, What we haven't done yet is uh, define what is endo. (laughs) Okay, so endometriosis is a uh, condition um, that's very common. It might affect up to 10% of women. And it's where tissue that uh, is very similar to the tissue that lines the uterus and makes your period every month, that tissue crops up outside the uterus. Commonly in the pelvis, attached to the peritoneum, which is the lining of the pelvis, and sometimes attached to other things like the ovaries or the fallopian tubes or bowel or bladder. And when it's out there, it causes pain, inflammation, scarring, 
painful periods, pain with sex, and obviously is relevant to someone who wants to have a baby. And why is it relevant to somebody that wants to have a baby? Well, there's lots of reasons why your endo might affect your fertility. You might be in too much pain to have sex. Mm. And you'll never get pregnant if you don't have sex. Give or take. You might have the endometriosis uh, still present in the pelvis. And we know that endometriosis nodules um, secrete substances that inhibit fertilization and implantation. Uh, so fertilization, sperm meeting egg and implantation, fertilized egg implanting in the uterine wall. So it's commonly seen in people seeking reproductive assistance. Mm. And then in women with um, severe endometriosis, there might be it might be relevant to how well the pregnancy goes. So there's a whole sort of different set of uh, considerations if someone who's um, known to have endometriosis is coming up to a time when they want to have a pregnancy. And do you think that, you know, women who have perhaps come up from their teen years with endometriosis and, and maybe they've taken seven years to be diagnosed with it, do you think that there's an awareness that endometriosis can have an impact on a woman's fertility? I think there's sort of an awareness based on education programs and, and so forth. But what we find is that there there isn't a great awareness amongst that group about um, what should hurt and what, and what shouldn't. Mm. So, you know, we often see teenagers who think that it's normal to have an agonisingly painful period. And days missed of school. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we're sort of working on, on better education so that we can we can help those people, those women, identify themselves. Yeah. Okay? And they can come to their GP and say, you know, my period is way worse than everybody else's, than my peers, in pain. I've started having sex and it's super painful and so forth. And they can identify themselves as being likely to have a problem. Are they the only symptoms that might sort of raise a red flag for a woman? The big ones are painful period, pelvic pain at other times of the month, pain with deep intercourse. And then there's, there's some people with severe endometriosis who don't have any symptoms at all. Right. And we only find that if they have a laparoscopy, say, for infertility you know, as part of the investigation of why they've been trying for a year and haven't got pregnant, yeah. and we find significant endometriosis. How weird that they don't have any symptoms, though, because it can be so debilitating for women, yeah, for some women. that's right. There's a broad range of, you know, clinical manifestations. So we can have a woman with terrible pain and, and we can fully expect that at laparoscopy she will have bad endo. And we put the laparoscope in and she'll have one spot. Mm. And you take that spot out and she's fine. Yeah. There's another group who've never had a symptom in their life, have a laparoscopy because of infertility and you find really quite bad endometriosis, but the, it wasn't troubling the woman at all. Wow. So when you're working with the steering committee, are you working on what, what is the way to get diagnosed? How do you get diagnosed? Well, there's a number of things we're trying to trying to develop. One is a tool that the patient could use themselves, an online tool to say, okay, I, I tick all of those boxes. I'm going to take my five tick boxes to the GP and say, see, this says I probably should be sent to a gynecologist. Yeah. I think that's uh, a useful thing. That's sort of patient education, helping them identify themselves. And then a separate tool, which is about helping GPs to navigate the complex diagnostic process that endometriosis can be. And is it only gynaecologists that can confirm the diagnosis? Yeah, so the I mean you can have ultrasounds and all sorts of things, but ultimately it's really only laparoscopy where we an operation where we put a telescope in through the belly button and have a look at your insides that uh, can confirm the diagnosis. Can we just describe a laparoscopy again? Like in more detail? So it's an operation where you come to the hospital, 
have a general anaesthetic after sleep for a while and uh, we make a cut in the bottom of your belly button, put a telescope inside, and fill your belly with some gas so we can see what we're doing and use a bright light shine, shine around on your insides to see what if there's endometriosis there and if there is, treat it on the same occasion. And what is treatment? What does that mean? Well, we, if there's endometriosis there, we cut it out. Oh, cut it out, okay. Yeah. So there's some um, generally regarded that the technique to cut it out is better than the trying to burn it off. Okay, so they've got terms, don't they? Because people know those terms, excision and... Indo people know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So motivated patients know about that. So there's a thing called ablation where you just use diathermy to, to try and sort of burn the endometriosis in position. And there's a technique which is widely regarded as being superior where you actually pick up each deposit and cut it off entirely. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So excision better than ablation. Okay. Because that, I don't know, that a lot of people talk about having ablation for their endo, don't they? Yes, and I, I well, we're probably getting off topic a little bit, yep. but I think that that's a, um, a probably, you know, broadly speaking, an, an outdated technique. Okay, all right. So the main treatment then is always laparoscopic surgery or are there other treatments that you can do? Well, I think a, a laparoscopy and surgical treatment is going to be part of everybody's treatment. But endometriosis is more complicated than just the surgical findings. And often a young woman with endometriosis needs a multidisciplinary treatment involving surgical gynecology, but also pain relief, also physiotherapy, also pain management clinic, maybe even psychologist. Mm. And, and diet. Yeah, there's some evidence that diet is, is relevant. Yep. Yeah, certainly uh, it may well be relevant to the inflammatory part of it. So if you've got some endometriosis in your pelvis, the amount of inflammation that that actually causes and the amount of pain it actually causes you, there's some evidence that diet might be relevant for that. So if I am trying to have a baby yeah. um, and I'm, I've had my endo treated in the early 20s and I'm traveling okay, you know, I'm having some good and some bad days as you do and good months and some bad months for whatever reason. Now I'm about 28 because we like 28. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I want to try for a baby. What what do I need to do now? Well, I think this is the crux of it. I think this is so important is that if a woman's been treated for endometriosis in the past, then she's really not really any longer part of that sort of totally normal group of young women where we say to them, yeah, when you go off your contraception, start some folate, have regular mid-cycle sex and come and see the doctor if you're not pregnant in a year. If a woman's already been treated for endometriosis, that's her, the advice to her would be different. And I think that the, the number one thing that we would want that woman to be doing would be to assess w w between herself and her local doctor, how do we think the endo's really going? Mm. Yeah. So right now, and in particular when I come off my contraception. So she might have had a laparoscopy five years ago and after the laparoscopy gone on a pill or a marina to suppress the period. And that might have been what, what got her through the next five years of rel relative comfort. And then we say, rightio, well, you want a baby now, come off your contraception, period's going to come back. So then we want to say, what's it like? Mm. Yeah. So um, if the period comes back and it's agonisingly painful or sex becomes agonisingly painful, then we're not waiting a year. We're going to go back to the local doc, back to the original gynecologist and work out what the endo's doing now. Yeah. Okay, before we potentially waste a year. And, and is it likely that she'd need another surgery? Well, maybe. Yeah. Certainly needs an assessment. Yeah. And then uh, we might say, look, clearly, 
that you know, this looks like a recurrence or that there's active disease here somewhere and that um, before you go and try for a year, we might you might need an operation first. Yeah. Yeah. Or at the very least, we might say, we'll try for a while, but not a year. Try for, try for six months tops. Yeah. And if you're not pregnant, come back and we'll repeat the laparoscopy or do some more tests. Yeah. Mm. Is there a time frame if they do have a laparoscopy, is there a time frame to wait until they start baby making? After the laparoscopy? Yeah. No, no, just when you're, comfort- when you're comfortable again. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and for those women that perhaps find deep penetration painful during sex, and, you know, it's a, an essential ingredient in baby making. Sure. Uh, well, not the deep penetration, but sex is. What would you suggest? Have you got any tips? Look, I think there are a couple of things about that. Number one is that, it, is that if that pain is much worse than you've had in the past, then that has to be considered a possible symptom of a recurrence. And you might need to discuss that with your local doctor and your gynecologist. And then if you've got pain with intercourse and you're having intercourse more often because you're trying to get pregnant, then there are some tips that people can use, like like taking anti-inflammatories before sex, that can really help to make women more comfortable so that they can have sex more often so that they can get pregnant. Yeah. So um, there are some good sites. I think from the Ranscog steering committee that you're on, we're starting to follow some really good sites on Instagram on endometriosis. So one that we've been looking at lately is Endogram. Um, And this is uh, by a a woman, Bridget Hustlethwaite, who actually is a Triple J presenter. We really like what she puts up. She sometimes puts medical posts up, but mainly it's about her own journey and and about the the concept that endo is, is chronic, painful, Need support, yeah, yeah, it can be. It yeah. can be, yeah. So I think I think um, she's talking mostly about people who've got a serious and ongoing problem with it. Yeah. And um, she makes the point really well through her podcast that it's a multidisciplinary treatment. Through her Instagram, yep. Um, and there's another one at Quendo AU, which also they run a support line for women that have endometriosis. Um, and they've recently been given a grant, $480,000 from the Queensland government to put together an app for monitoring your endo. So it's probably good to have a keep an eye out for that. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one because, again, it, it, it's, it's building up a sense in the patient community yeah. that, that part of managing this well is the patient's responsibility. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, th- there's some really great gynecologists and pelvic floor physiotherapists and so forth out there, but they can't find you. Sometimes you have to find them. Yes. Yeah. And the more you know about your condition, the more likely you are to, to, to personally have an idea whether, you, whether your symptoms compared to others are mild, moderate or severe and what treatment you might need and uh, take some of the responsibility for finding that. And if you are, you know, in this stage and you're doing, you very concentrated on making a baby, yep. then uh, go back and listen to episode two, which is um, how to track your ovulation like a ninja. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, because a lot of that advice is the same. Yeah. But I would say there's two, the two clinches are if you've already been diagnosed with endo, number one, come off your contraception and really assess what your symptoms are doing. Yeah. Okay, you may need further treatment before you can conceive. And number two, if you come off your contraception and feel totally fine, if you've had a history of endometriosis, then the one-year rule does not apply to you at six months tops. Yeah. Um, And it's probably best to take a diary for these things. Absolutely. You know, really sort of be present and quite logical in how you're managing this process of of getting pregnant. Yep. All right, Patty. That's all my questions. Have you got... Any more questions? No, I think we'll probably return to endo from time to time because I'm actually learning a lot through being involved in this uh, committee. Yes. But uh, I hope hope today's um, uh, information has been useful to someone who goes, okay, yeah, right, okay, I have been treated successfully for endometriosis and that's worth knowing in a few years' time when I try for a baby that the the rules for me might be a bit different. Yeah. 
All right. Well, people, we'll see you uh, next week. Thanks so much for joining us and, and listening to our podcast. Um, it's been uh, great to know that so many people are getting helped. That's what we're here for. So if you've got any questions, why don't you just give us a DM on our Instagram page at grow underscore my underscore baby. And, and suggestions for podcast topics. We love it. Yeah, we do love it. And yeah, tell us when we put this podcast up, we'll put the Instagram post up and just tell us how uh, your journey with Endo was. Okay, we'll see you next time. Bye now. Bye now.